Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It is Monday, the twenty-third of January, twenty twenty-three. And so I want you to just pause for just a moment and say that whole date out, like January the 23rd, 2003, 2023, <clears throat> 2003. Mm-hmm. Do you even remember what you were doing in 2003? Okay, that's a whole different conversation. 2023, 2023 what? Yeah, we're going to circle back around to that in just a minute, but just uh, just have that in your in your mind for just a second there. Monday, January the 23rd. 2023. 2023 what? Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6. Now, remember, the psalmist is praying. This is a this is a prayer. It's probably a sung prayer, but it's a prayer nonetheless. And so when you hear these encouragements to trust and rejoice and sing, it's all in the context of prayer. So first, we're praying. And in the context of praying, we're trusting, rejoicing, and singing. So here is Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6. I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. So again, in the context of prayer, the psalmist says, but I will trust. Why? Because God's love is unfailing. In the context of prayer, the psalmist says, I will rejoice. Why? Because God has rescued me. And in the context of prayer, the psalmist says, I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because he is good and he is good to me. What fills your prayers today? What fills your heart? What fills your mind? What are you focused upon? 95. That's the number. 95. Uh, I'm celebrating today that 95 kids found their sponsor uh, through the Faith Radio's partnership with One Child. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for each and every one of you who took the time to consider God's calling and the provision that God has made for little children around the world. Thank you to each and every one of you who took the time to go to MyFaithRadio.com and meet the child that's been waiting to meet you. And if you say to yourself, wait, wait, I I missed that. I was doing other things on Thursday and Friday, and I missed the one-child sponsorship drive on Faith Radio. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. It's not over yet. You can still go to MyFaithRadio.com and meet the child that's waiting right now to meet you. Sponsorship is $39 a month. Um, all of the details are there, and you can um, you can go to the One Child website and find out more about the ministry and how it all works. But for those of you who took the time to join us and have sponsored a child, um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You have changed the world because you are now actively changing the life of one child. Um, makes all the difference. 
Hey, let's talk about the church today. Um, what is the church? Who is the church? What is the church called to be doing in the world? We're going to talk with our friend Dave Buring about all of that. We're going to look at um, the book of Acts, and we're going to look at the church in the book of Acts, and then we're going to look in the mirror and look at the church today. All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. You are so good to me. You heal my broken heart. You are Dave Buring is back. If you haven't been to visit him at lionshare.org uh, or the Lionshare Leadership Podcast, all kinds of great resources for you and uh, your encouragement each and every day. Dave, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. Okay, and I, so... And I, I want you to know mm-hmm. I am in 2023. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not 2003. 2000, and 2023 what, Dave? 123 years since zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's exactly right. And so that was actually the point of that exercise because yeah. um, this is like Chinese New Year officially started yesterday, but they're still celebrating. And so on the lunar calendar, it's not 2023. We we say it's 2023 because we are charting it as the year of the Lord. Yeah. Um, uh, and Chinese uh, this year, it's the year of the rabbit. So, um, yeah, no matter what year it is, tiger, rabbit, whatever else is on the list, um, it's the year of the Lord. And I think that for Christians, it's worth like pausing when other people are having New Year's of various kinds and say, hmm, um, it's 2023 for a reason. And that reason is the Lord. So there you go. That was my point. That was my point. I like it. Well, now, now I don't know what I'm going to say at the end of the hour because that was my notes for the end of the hour. And now <laughs> you've uh, <clears throat> you've teased it out right here, um, Dave. Let's uh, let's talk today about the church. Okay. Yeah you you have thought a lot about the church and the church in Acts, and so let's start there. What do we know about the church from reading the Book of Acts? Yeah. So the the church really seems to be launched in the Book of Acts. Now we can say that Jesus began to seed it all in the way that he lived and walked before people and his father, the way he poured into the 12, the, the activities of the 12, it really seeded what the church is all about and what it looks like. It it really is about our relating to him. It's about our relating to each other as fellow followers of Jesus. And it's about our relating to the world around us. And so I think, Carmen, one of the things that that we can forget is that the church is an entity that has been created by God to display him to the world around us. And I think when we end up having problems within our church or within churches, you know, fighting against each other, competing against each other, we've lost that understanding. Like, like this is the entity that he wants to express himself through. And, and I don't mean church in buildings. I mean, church as people. And so it really is a pretty awesome topic. Yeah, it is an awesome topic. And I think that as soon as we say um, church and we talk about this body of believers through whom 
God intends to now actively work by the animating power of his spirit um, to carry on the work of Christ as the people of Christ or the body of Christ in the world today. We're talking big C. We're talking big C church. We're talking church universal. We're talking um, church triumphant. Um, We're talking uh, the way that we are brothers and sisters with every Christian in every time and place. We're talking about um, the constant uh, continuous generation after generation of Christians um, gathering around the Lord's table. We're talking about a fellowship of the saints. But when we use it sort of in our regular parlance, you know, like, where do you go to church? Um, what church are you a member of? Like, we don't we don't often say, hey, I'm a church. I'm a member of the church universal. You know, I'm a part of the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the people of Christ. Like, we tend to say things like Grace Community Church, which is how I would answer yeah. the question. Right. Yeah. So that yeah. that small C answer is important. Yes, I yeah. am a part yeah. of the big C uh, in a invisible universal church, big capital C, but I am also integral, integrally a part of a local small yep. C church, um, mm-hmm. and that's important too. Yeah, and I think that's how we have to look at it, exactly how you said it's an expression of the big C. And why? Well, because it's kind of tough to figure out how I can be a part of a time of worship and fellowship and teaching you know, when I'm 12 hours, 11 hours and 45 minutes to be exact difference from Nepal, it's mm. hard for me to have that, but I can have that flesh and blood face to face with people around me. And I do think it's one of those things that we often lose perspective of. And I think this is why some of the different expressions, uh, metaphors of the church that we have are important things like the body of Christ, you know, where Jesus is the head. It tells us this in Ephesians, Jesus is the head of the church, and then we are his body. And so we follow his lead, but we're attached to one another. And the scriptures talk about like joints and ligaments in the human body were attached. And, you know, Carmen, and what you do, you know, you might be a hand, I might be a leg, but we're still, we're still connected. And the, the leg needs the hand and the hand needs the leg. And it's one of those things that we have to realize that it's there's a supernatural dynamic to it. And once we forget that and it gets into the brick and mortar, we're in trouble. We're in big trouble. And we have to realize there's a supernatural element to this thing and how we are tied to one another around the world that, like, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but there might actually be more members of the body of Christ in heaven right now than there are on earth. We don't know because we don't know those numbers, but the people that have gone ahead of us, they're also part of the body of Christ. And so we've got, you know, those that are here right now, those that have gone ahead of us to heaven. And it's, it's an international, interracial, men, women, boys, girls. It's an amazing thing. And I think it is worthwhile pausing to take a look at the big C so that it gives value to the little C that we're a part of. Absolutely. All right. We're going to continue this conversation with Dave Buring in just a moment. You can find what we're talking about today um, in a discipleship journey. It's a proven and practical tool for making disciples of Jesus, and you can connect with that resource at lionshare.org. What is the church? Are you a member of it Are you expressing that uh, through the life of a local community of believers, a small C church? Um, I sure hope so. 
A third of Christians, self-identified Christians in America, actually stopped attending a local church during COVID and haven't gone back. If you're one of them, I'm going to encourage and compel you today to reconnect because the body of Christ needs you. It's less functional without you. Um, We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Take me back to a preacher in a verse Where they've seen me at my worst To the love I had at first Oh, I want to go to church Dave Buring is with us. Um, we're talking about the church. What is it? Where is it? Who is it? What's it for? Um, Dave, uh, again, thank you so much for being here. You guys can um, get a fuller understanding of this by engaging in a discipleship journey. You can do that at lionshare.org. You can connect with the resources in a group. Um, Dave, when we talk about the church, um, maybe share with us some of the, some of the, I'm going to say the word metaphor, although it goes beyond that because it's like in reality, we are the body of Christ, but it's also a metaphor for it. So can you talk about some of those in scripture? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's several of them. One of them is that I really like is the bride of Christ, how it, it speaks about how Jesus is the bridegroom, the church is the bride, but it, it hey, gives is us that, that weird. Is that weird for men? Like, I don't have a problem at all feeling like a part of the bride of Christ. Like I love that portrait or image. Is that weird for guys? It, it takes a little bit of kind of shuffling, I think in a man's mind to think about that. But I think if we can think of like, for me, I can get a hold of it by saying, okay, how am I responsive to Jesus? And Mm -hmm. I get that picture between my relationship with Cheryl and I. And so, you know, it's, there's a mutual relationship there, uh, you know, and I think one of the things that's really important for a guy in particular to understand is that it's a, it doesn't put us in a feminine place or, and this term is not that again, it's a picture of relationship. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you you have the body of Christ, the building of God, you have things like the family of God. Well, this one, this one creates kind of that unique closeness of relationship playing off each other, uh, those kinds of dynamics. And I think it's, it's an important one for us to look at because like, I think of my relationship with my wife and my trying to you know and it doesn't always go like i want and sometimes selfishness or pride gets in the way but trying to lay my life down for her and when i look at jesus that way and see how he has laid his life down for me whether i'm male female whoever i am the reality is as a guy i can i can follow after that he's laid his life down for me but it does speak of closeness of relationship and between like between Cheryl and I, there is no relationship in my life that is intimate as that. And it gives the picture of God's inviting me into that kind of relationship with himself as he does with you and as he does with Paul and as he does with your family and my family. And and yet 
because he's God, he can do that with all of us. So that's another one of those pictures that I think is pretty cool. And Carmen, I'll often say this. Um, I, I will, you know, talk a lot with with twenties and thirties, and and they will honestly say to me, Dave, do you think the way the church, and they're usually meaning small C here, looks and functions is what Jesus had in mind when he talked about it? And I'll say to them, some, some of it, but not all of it. And because sometimes there can be a criticism, not just with that age group, but from people. And I I remind them that the church is Jesus's bride. And I and I told one young guy one time, he said, look, the church is blah, 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 blah. And he started ranting on. I said, look, I, I got to be honest with you. If you were talking about my wife that way, I would love mm-hmm. you, but I'd hit you in the mouth, you know? <laughs> and And I said, you've got to remember, we're talking about Jesus's wife here. And is she perfect? No, but it's still his bride. It's still his wife. And we need to remember that when we talk about the church. And it doesn't mean there's not areas we need to grow in and be fixed in and be mature in, but it does come out of a platform of, are we doing this to aid? Are we doing this to criticize? Mm, Yeah. I think that's so helpful. I mean, I, I think I've heard other people express that, like, it's impossible to love the bridegroom if you don't love the bride. Like, what does that look like in my life? Yeah, that's yeah. really that's really helpful. Um, Dave, talk with us just for a moment. I mean, we we have so many portraits of the church in Scripture that we could spend time talking about. People are probably most familiar with the body of Christ language, but also the building of God. We do think about that. We've talked about the bride of Christ. The family of God, I think, is a really essential one um, in this generation because so many, for so many people, there's so much generational brokenness in yeah. talking about family. The father is difficult for a lot of people to embrace because of their experience of failed um, dads, you know, in the in the present tense here and now. Um, But marriage is also this broken reality. And so that's hard. The relationship between children and parents is often severely broken. And so this idea that I'm going to be a child of God and I'm going to be adopted into his family through Christ, like some of that is hard. Brother and sister relationships are hard. And so can you just talk with us a little bit about the portrait scripture gives us of the church as the family of God so that we can maybe live into it a little more fully? Yeah. So I think, you know, where it begins, Carmen, is it goes back to understanding God as a father. And and I think the thing that I always like to start with is, is this reminder, God is not a big one of us. Mm. And he is very, like the word holy means set apart or other. And he is so other, like he is the ultimate father, full of grace and truth full of love and holiness. He is the one that has created us so intimately knows us. And he wants to invite us in to his family. And so because he's invited us into his family, it gives us a taste of what, can I say it this way, what healthy looks like to Mm -hmm. be loved and accepted, to be forgiven, but to also learn how healthy relationships look And I find oftentimes, you know, in in the church, and I don't say this as a criticism, I say this just as many years of observing that the reality is our relationships in the church oftentimes don't look any different than our relationships in the world. And yet they're supposed to be incredibly different because the things that we're operating out of, the ways of God, 
are different than the ways of the world. And so things like we mentioned a moment ago of laying our lives down, not only for our spouse, but for one another, um, caring about each other. Uh, I think these are really important things. And God wants to invite you into his family because it's a different vibe. It's a different culture. And it's it's the culture that we're all going to live in forever in heaven. That's We have to realize that's some of the dynamic that we're going to be experiencing in heaven. And so earth as in heaven, so on earth. You know, we pray this in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, one of the places that that's supposed to be expressed the most, the loudest, and the brightest is in the church. And so I think this is where, Carmen, it comes to that place of us really being in the word, really being in relationship with one another and fleshing this thing out so that we can wrestle some of these things through. What does it mean to be heard and loved and cared about and doing the same for other people? Mm. So good. Uh, If you're listening right now and you're like, I want to be discipled like that, I don't, nobody's ever walked with me through the basic things of the Christian faith. I've been in church a long time, but I've never been discipled. We want to invite you to um, to check out a discipleship journey. It is a proven and practical tool for making disciples of Jesus. There's also um, a new kids version of a discipleship journey, so you can actually use it with your kids. And there are teaching video series, you know, one that's not animated for adults, one that is animated for kids. I am a kid, so I kind of like the animated one as well. Um, so there you go. Uh, check it all out, lionshare.org. Um, Dave, as always, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Have a great day today. You too. 2023, mm-hmm. year of the Lord. There you go, Dave. That's all It's all for you. Hey, let's go upwards with Vax Lucado. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, so you're listening to Mornings with Carmen with Carmen LaBurge, but it literally wouldn't be happening if Paul Perot weren't here. And so Paul Perot is the producer of this program. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. All right, you have been, like, in radio how long? Uh, I started professionally September of 85. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... so a little while. You, yeah, a little while. Have you ever, like, physically been to a radio tower? Like, a one of those... Things oh, yeah. out there. Oh, okay. many, many times. Many okay. Times. So can you describe to us, like, tell us about one particular faith radio tower, like describe to us uh, physically what that looks like, where that is, like, take us to one of them. It doesn't matter which one, just okay. One if it's tied with. to faith radio, the only one I've actually been to is our transmitter site, the former one, because it's been moved up in Fargo, which wasn't just one tower. It was a four tower array. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, but that basically means it's uh, it's a wave to get AM waves to go into a certain pattern because we had to boom further west and north than we could south and east. So it's okay. it's just it, it it's were a bunch of, of those... jiggity pokery. Let's just put it mm-hmm. that way. Were, were were all of those four towers necessary for the people who normally? dial in their radio in in Fargo, um, all of those towers were necessary for everybody to get a clear signal. Am I right? Uh, Yes, yes. Okay, so if someone had vandalized one of those radio towers and made it non-operational, what would have happened to our signal in Fargo? 
Um, well, we could quickly go to a non-directional lower power. Um, that would work. But again, we have a four-tower array. If we were only had one tower, like many AMs do, mm-hmm. you're off the air. Okay. And so let's just imagine for a moment that somebody knew how our system totally worked and took out three significant radio towers that we use to serve our listening audience. It would have dramatically affected us. Would that be fair to say? Uh, big time. Yes. Yeah. We wouldn't okay. be able to do what so, we do. So let me just share with you all what's happening um, with the Truth Network. The Truth Network is a Christian broadcasting network based in North Carolina And on Christmas Day, these series of vandalism incidents began. It was an intentional attack just before Christmas, uh, now affecting all of their ability to broadcast in western um, North Carolina out of their Winston-Salem signal in particular. And so um, the first radio tower was literally brought down on December the 22nd, a second radio tower on January the 5th, a third one of Truth uh, Network's radio towers on January the 10th. Obviously, this is a criminal um, act. Um, They are temporary repairs, I would say, are in progress. Um, I don't really know how you even enter into a conversation about fully rebuilding three radio towers. And so um, three radio sites in this triad area were vandalized. And in one instance, um, they cut the guy wires, um, which led to the tower completely collapsing. Um, It's not a coincidence. It's a targeted attack. Um, And we want to be praying today for the ability of the Truth Network to get back on the air. Um, And and for uh, maybe all of us in America to take this as a huge wake-up call. Um, Christian broadcasting is actually physically under attack. Um, And so I want to bring this before you, and I want to say to you, thank you for your support of this listener-supported ministry at Faith Radio. If you're not already a part of our giving family, um, I would invite you to do so. If you believe in what we're doing and um, and you say, you know what, I want this kind of Christian broadcasting to continue to be available, not just through radio signals, because we also broadcast um, digitally. And so you can always hear us at MyFaithRadio.com or via the Faith Radio app. Um, And those signals are not disrupted by somebody bringing down a radio tower. And so let me encourage you to download the Faith Radio app today. Log on to MyFaithRadio.com and see what your signal sounds like over the live stream. Um, And just recognize that... um, Faith comes by hearing, and you're able to hear this right now because listeners like you gave in the past, and if you're listening now, then you are the group of people who are supporting Faith Radio today. Um, And if you're not already, we invite you into this giving community. Let's be praying for the Truth Network and for the restoration of their signals in North Carolina, and let's be praying for the way God is sending forth His Word to the world today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Joining us now, Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. Hey, good morning, Adam. Good morning. How are you doing, Carmen? Well, I am well. I am well. So um, faith is not something that um, I put on and take off. It's like uh, part and parcel of who I am. And um, having put on Christ, there are 
um, things that I would not put on and wear in public really for any cause or reason um, because they obscure my identity in Christ. That is my introduction to the conversation about the case of the hockey player who is uh, Russian Orthodox. He's a Christian, and he refused to wear a pride jersey, carry a stick wrapped with pride tape, and participate in a pride night pregame skate because he said of his, you know, because he's a Christian, because of his faith. Talk with us about um, this this case from your viewpoint. And I will add, he was very modest about it. He didn't launch into even an explanation for uh, why it didn't accord with his Christian beliefs or say that the uh, Philadelphia Flyers can't do it themselves, but said that his own conscience, his own beliefs wouldn't allow him to. And I think that, you know, obviously I'm thinking about this from a kind of political angle, uh, in addition to as a believer, given what I study. And I think that it it is a, a, bra- a bigger question of what does religious liberty look like beyond the law? Because it, I think it uh, generally is the case that an employer, as a condition of employment, can make some demands of their employees. And we had this whole debate about uh, from the other side, could you make NFL players not kneel for the national anthem or, or something like that? Um, on the other hand, even if there aren't any laws that would protect uh, this player, uh, uh, Ivan is his first name, that then what about the broader issue of how as a society we respect religious liberty and want to be welcoming to the talents and abilities of those who still claim Christ as their their king, as their ultimate ruler, as the ultimate articulator of what's just and unjust. Um, when, you know, in, in reality, hockey is not something that requires directly the uh, articulation of a certain belief one way or another. I'm sure he wants to do what he does to the glory of God as everything should be done. But uh, so here I think we see something that kind of parallels free speech. Uh, On one hand, the First Amendment narrowly protects people from the government forcing you to say something or stopping you from saying something, not necessarily private entities or, or, or groups that you're affiliated with or jobs. But there's a broader spirit of free speech that allows us to all be in community together that even if the law doesn't require it, I think our society as a free and open society needs to respect. And I think those are the kind of questions that are coming up, even as protections, First Amendment protections continue legally for people like Yvonne, uh, for his private job that doesn't necessarily always have those same protections. Is our society going to respect Christianity even as it becomes more secular? So um, Beatty Deutsch is an Orthodox Jewish runner who um, uh, refused to um, compete in the Tokyo Olympics because the event was taking place on Sabbath. Um, When I uh, surfaced this conversation with people in my house, I got uh, one child who furrowed her eyebrows and stuck her hands into the air and said, chariots of fire? And so I think that um, when we think about um, people who are 
whose religious faith is not something that they, you know, put on and take off, but it is who they are. Um, it, it is, you know, uh, and an, they are integrated people of faith, uh, meaning it's integral to who they are. Um, I see this as potentially a larger and growing concern, not something that is going, not something that is going to be less um, obvious in the culture, but something that is going to become more and more obvious in the culture because of things like Pride Night. Yep, and and that you're now seeing, especially in June, which is Pride Month, the idea that almost everyone has to make public um, support, uh, you do publicly supported things for uh, the LGBTQ uh, uh, claims. And again, I think we're called to love our neighbor no matter what, but we're also called to love our neighbor in a way that's biblically faithful, which ultimately is loving. And I think this is the question I think we are going to need to start studying, having lived in a culture that has been either supportive or at least open to Christianity. We are increasingly going to have to maybe look at our Christian brothers and sisters in other parts of the world or in history, going back to um, even thousands of years ago. What did it look like? to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, to be buried and raised with Christ, and therefore a new creation, not an old creation, when society is not supportive of that, when even if there's not going to be jail or or death or martyrdom, uh, but uh, social ostracism, and where it's going to mean loss of, of, of jobs or loss of, of friends and family, um, those are the really hard questions that are increasingly in some parts of the country already have to be asked. And I think even more and more might be the case in, in the trend line we're doing. So that that's just an unfamiliar place for, for, for American Christians and for even Western Christians till recently. And it's something that we're going to have to possibly relearn barring, you know, Lord, please bring it a revival of some kind. Amen. Amen. Um, all right. When we come back, I'd love to talk with you about um, death row and the dismantling of death row, particularly in the state of California. Uh, last week, Governor uh, Gavin Newsom um, and the state of California moved all of its prisoners off death row. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College and Ask about that from a Christian worldview. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Maybe you're thinking in this new year you'd like to change the world. Well, you can start by changing the world for one child. We're partnering with One Child Again, and you can sponsor a child now at MyFaithRadio.com. What happens when you sponsor a child through One Child? Well, you're going to be linked to a boy or a girl who lives in a country other than your own. Uh, and you're going to help supply for their tangible needs. Yes, they're going to receive the gospel of Jesus, but they're also going to receive educational assistance, supplemental food, clothing, health care services, and opportunities for love, friendship, and encouragement. The cost is just $39 a month, and you can sponsor a child right now at MyFaithRadio.com. So if you want to change the world this year, why don't you start by changing the world for one child? Sponsor a child today at MyFaithRadio.com. You're my defender. All right, we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. Um, Adam, talk with us about dismantling death row in America. 
Well, certainly there's been a, from a legal standpoint, a long-term trend away from using the death penalty to make using it less and less, I should say, uh, for fewer and fewer crimes, uh, for fewer and fewer types of crimes, but also fewer and fewer murders, even when the, that has been the case. Uh, there have been more and more states that have moved toward not using it either by banning it or by basically putting a moratorium on it, which is really technically what's happened in California. They have not banned the death penalty uh, as far as by statute, but the governor is using his power to basically not do so. The other thing as far as banning death row is that he's moving the, the, the prisoners that were segregated together as death row inmates are being redistributed to basic prison populations across the, 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 the state. And I think that this, this is a hard question because uh, as far as for me, I think a Christian standpoint, because, and I think it's, it's more one that requires wisdom uh, and prudence because on one hand you have passages such as Romans 13, that talks about the, the ruler bearing the sword and the clear implication, I think, in that context of bearing the sword is the use of of of, of violence, if need be, uh, and and including possibly the death penalty. Uh, you have Genesis chapter nine that says, "If if if man sheds blood, by man shall his blood be shed." Uh, for man was made in the image of God, which has been traditionally taken as a saying that the death penalty may be permissible. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you know there are worries that um, what 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 do you do with the issue of if an innocent person is put to death? Uh, what do you do with the church's mission of converting and 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 bringing people to the gospel? So I, I think that at least from a scriptural standpoint, I've had trouble seeing how the death penalty is not permitted. But I think a Christian society should be very uh, 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 cautious and and err on the side of life whenever possible in making those kind of determinations and and so I think that's what I think that's one way Christians can talk about this uh, kind of issue of what of what Newsom is doing and ask the kind of questions about what what um, what is the best way to uphold government's role of administering justice of being a punisher of evil and a rewarder of good as God has ordained it, but at the same time, make sure that it accords with the church's mission. Yeah, I guess I, it's, it is, um, it is such a point of confliction, like right in the depths of my being, because there are things that people do that I think to myself, um, if 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 there's ever a cause to use the death penalty, this is it. I like this one's it. Like this one seems obvious to me. But that point of this one seems obvious to me is um, different for maybe every person. And so I think that's part of this conversation. Like, um, how do we judge that? How do we judge what rises to the level of, well, this seems obvious to me? Um, that or this seems obvious to we the people that this is an offense for which the death penalty capital punishment is um, is the right thing to do. Um, and then as Christians, is it ever the right thing to do? Because I see that both of those conversations are important for us to be having as Christians in a culture like ours. 
So, yeah, and I think, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah and, and retro, and I think, you know, it's kind of funny that this topic came up because I'm actually teaching Eighth Amendment and the death penalty in a con law class today. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it, it is the, I think part of the, the deeper question is, uh, when we, when we think that government is acting in the place of God or as a delegate or representative of God, how far are we willing to take that? Because God obviously, has in the history of the world exacted the death penalty. Uh, but we're not God, but we're also exercising a power delegated by God to us to do what he wants. And I think uh, this question of of how that how that is put together is 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 a difficult one because we also have to think about the victims and the victims' families and how uh, how how do we help them? How do we minister to them? the idea that society supports them and that society valued the life of the person that was harmed or destroyed by them. Uh, and, and what, what does that show? And, and I think that brings in the bigger idea of punishment. Why do we punish and, and what is the purpose of punishment? And so, yes, I think that having that deeper philosophical and theological question, uh, we need to, before we have a knee jerk reaction, which often is what we're, we're including me tempted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. To- totally agree. Um, all right. Um, we probably got time for one more conversation here. Um, let's do immigration and the, the fact that the world has now reached 8 billion people. Um, is that cause for celebration? I, I think so. Uh, and I, I know I shared with you all some someone that was saying we think we, we should uh from another christian uh, uh, uh publication but a lot of people that are saying that we have overpopulation that the world it can't uh, hold uh 8 billion people uh, have said no but i think that um if you really look again at scripture there is a welcoming of new generations there the idea that children are a blessing that they are the creation of new, hopefully, worshipers of God and eternally made in his image to uh, live and worship for his glory into eternity. And that um, that that therefore it is is something to actually celebrate, and that that doesn't mean we don't try to uh, fulfill the creation mandate that says we should take care of the world and make sure that we're living in sustainable ways. But it also means that we should be fruitful and multiply as Genesis, uh, as God told the first parents in Genesis and really see that humans made in the image of God have a special place in his glory. And that again, uh, this is pulling off. um, uh, I'm thinking of, you know, uh, the book I read as, as, as a teenager, John Piper's book on missions, missions exist because worship doesn't, but the more people that can worship, the the more uh, the more people are giving glory to God. That's not a bad thing. So I think that we should be celebrating it, even if a lot of people I think are are being short sighted or not trusting in the providence of God in the idea that He has multiplied the number of people across the world. All right, and then um, and then briefly, um, there's going to be a Hillsdale of the South, and it's going to be in Sarasota, Florida. Um, and Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida is engineering it. What, what's going on? Just alert people to this story and invite them to uh, to check out, um, you know, this thread line. 
Right, and I'm biased because I I, I work at Hillsdale, but they who wouldn't want a hill who wouldn't want a Hillsdale in the South? I mean, right? Well, well, and and I think a lot of this has been turned into political. But I I know some of the people that have been put on the board of trustees of this college in Sarasota, Florida, to try to steer its direction, and it's been struggling with enrollment. It's been struggling with a, a number of things for a while. So it really did need a change of direction. And the hope, I think, really from the, the people doing is is not to make it uh, a place that is political or partisan to do actually the opposite, to make it a more true to its original mission. It was a liberal arts college uh, and to make it a place that really wants to may have freer inquiry. And I think especially a thing that education, I think, needs to do more these days is respect the past, not worship it, not refuse to be critical of it, but respect it, not have what C.S. Lewis calls a chronological snobbery. So respect the writers and thinkers, see what you can learn from them in the past. And I think that that's the kind of education that at least the the, the people I know personally that have been put on the board, uh, that's what they're more, most committed to. And hopefully this could be a model that if it's done well, Maybe we could actually have colleges that have more free and open inquiry, uh, not the opposite. So we'll, we'll see if that's how it works out. Um, uh, uh, and, and that's, I think, a noble and worthwhile goal that gets beyond our kind of petty partisanships today. All right. I got a lot of links in the show notes today for this particular storyline about Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida and um a, a college in Sarasota that is being overhauled in what I view as a very positive way, but love for you to make your own judgment about that. So you can read in on all the links. They'll be in the show notes for today's program. Um, Adam, thank you as always for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me again. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right. I, depending where you are right now, I mean, like geographically, depending where you are right now, the sun has either risen or it has not risen. Um, so if you're in a position to look out the window and know the answer to that question, has the sun risen where I live, um, then you can't actually, if it's already up, then you can't participate in this exercise. If the sun is not already up where you live or, you know, you could plan to be up at sunrise tomorrow. Let me encourage you to do that. Watch the sunrise. Watch the sunrise. Get up in the dark and watch the sunrise. And watch the sunset. If you miss the sunrise, don't miss the sunset. Why? Researchers have found it actually promotes like a healthier life. Why is that? Because it inspires awe, which of course researchers can't define. Um, and they can't even tell us what it is. But you and I know what it is. It's the recognition that God is and that God is good and God is great. And he's given us another day. Praise be to God. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.